Hello and welcome to Driven for Purpose. I'm your host, Amanda Bickham, an evolutionary lifestyle coach helping guide you towards deeper states of transformation, providing you with tips, tools, and resources to support you every step of the way. Thank you for joining and enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. Welcome back to the Driven for Purpose podcast. I'm super excited to be here right now with a very special guest. And this beautiful goddess I have been connecting to for months now when I got tapped into some of the work that she does around sacred sexuality. And we were just having an amazing, amazing conversation about all of the pieces that are kind of showing up in our world as people who are trying to bring a lot more of the erotic arts to the mainstream and some of the challenges that we've been facing. And immediately I'm like, wait, I think this should be online because this is really where the juice is. So Miss Hannah, how do you pronounce your last name? I don't want to say it wrong. So... Well, it's funny. It's actually a story. So I grew up saying Bora Babi, um, which is the kind of bastardized version of Abuda Babi, which is in Lebanese, an Arabic name. Um, that my theory is that they just got it spelled wrong when my great grandparents are coming in from Ellis Island. So I grew up saying Bora Babi. Now I say Bora Baby, both because I identify with the archetype of the midwife and also because. Um, I find that it's a lot easier for people to wrap their brains and their mouths around because that's what it looks like. So you can call me Hannah Bora Baby or Bora Babi, whichever rolls off your tongue. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. I never want to like pronounce people's last names wrong. And so I'm glad that yours had a story because I'm like, shoot, I actually don't want to say her last name and it'd be completely wrong. So I'm glad we started out with this story and I feel like there Absolutely. Be a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's a great way to root it in too with that heritage conversation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Hannah, okay, why don't we, um, before we tap back into some of what we're we're working through and what we're coming up against and what we're aware of in our fields, why don't we first start with a little bit of your introduction? So, for those of you. Those of my audience who don't yet know you and even some of your audience who want to get to know you more as we start to share this podcast, why don't you start by sharing a little bit about you, about what you do, maybe about how you even got to do what you do, and that way we can start from that rich, juicy place. Oh, goodness. How and where to begin? Mm. Well, I think that it's always fun to um, just look at the stories of you know, that are really alive in any given moment because so many of us have those initiatory stories on our journey. And I think story is how we really learn to connect and um, communicate with one another on multidimensional realms. So I would say in a lot of ways, um, what I do is that I hold space for others who are on a journey of um, enlightenment and embodiment. And that looks like many, many things. And how I've come to be here at this point in time um, is by delving into the realms of, of Tantra. And I had the incredible privilege years ago of connecting in with a temple mama who took me under her wing and showed me a pathway that she called Tantra. I call it Neo-Tantra. Um, I also call it elemental earth magic, sex magic, earth medicine. Um, and what it is to me is a pathway of living in connection with the magic that is innate within and all around us that in particular is grounded in the awareness that we are these spiritual beings who choose to have um, an experience of life on this earth right now. And I'm someone who very much feels that my allegiance is to the earth and to the elements and the elementals and the trees and the waters and um, the air and so forth. So my path of sacred sexuality is rooted in my love for this planet and this awareness that as we learn to come deeper into our bodies and take ownership of these vessels that our spirits have custom designed to move us through 
this planet, through this earthly experience, um, then we naturally become more connected with the earth body and our desire to live in right relationship with the earth and with nature really comes online because we uh, become more aware of the energetic exchange. And when we have an understanding of sacred exchange and how to work with and harness the energy that's within and around us, um, bringing you know, intention, and then a little bit of juice and sexual energy and alchemy and all of it that we have, you know, as a gift for being in these bodies. I mean, the reality is, is that we are God having this embodied experience because we have to manifest in these 3D realms. And so sexuality, creativity, those are the realms that we get to work in crafting. So that's a little bit about me in terms of, you know, the nuts and bolts of what I do. I am a writer. I am a sacred storyteller. I offer one-on-one -on -one healing sessions and coaching in person and distantly for men, women, non-binary beings, couples, groups, and um, you know, really offer a ritual framework that helps to take the realms of erotic and sensual play and channel that in a direction that's really about aligning our spirits with our soul mission and then bringing our pleasure principle on board to drive that home into manifestation. Wow. Like as you were speaking, um, what hit me so much, like I, my eyes even got teary because the way that you spoke into like earth magic, like I've never, heard of it in that frame and it resonates so deeply it even brings me like slightly emotional even as i speak back to this because it's like that resonates on such a deep level you know i followed the spirituality path for so long and one of the challenges and one of the shadow pieces that i felt often played out in spirituality before i found tantra was how we are so often trying to ascend and trying to get out of this body and trying to reach samadhi and go be in a pit cave. And, you know, there's just all these pieces where I was like, there is a fundamental piece missing from this understanding of spirituality, which is if I am pure consciousness, I would have consciously chose to incarnate in this physical form. So why am I trying to leave it? Why am I trying to escape it? Why am I trying to push it down, not allow myself to experience the magic that is in this experience? And so as I'm hearing you speak and the way in which you are choosing to show up in this field of Tantra and sexuality and embodiment and eroticism, it's so, so deeply hits home to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful to receive that transmission from you, which was like, almost like these were the lost words that I somehow forgot when I embodied, but I've been on this path knowing that this is what I'm here for knowing that there's something so much deeper than what the mass majority of people see, which is sex. You know, even my father, we were having, he's like, you know, Tantra isn't all about sex, Amanda. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you even had an inkling of awareness of how much healing is actually held in any of the work that I or my peers do in the world of sacred sexuality, you would actually have an awareness that it is so much more about sex. And because sex is so repressed and so hidden and so taboo in our culture, it is so needed and so wanted that mm. it is important to share your message in a way that's going to resonate to people who are deeply wanting this connection, but mm. often pushing it down and it's coming out sideways as we see in the porn industry and many other industries that are not actually tapped into the essence of the gift and the jewel to be mm. embodied in these, in these beings, which you so eloquently to put. So mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that transmission, Hannah. Like, wow, I'm still, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that part again, just to like really feel that. <laughs> well, so will I, because I always, every time someone asks me that question, the answer comes out a little bit differently. So it'd be helpful for me to like hone in my elevator speech a little bit, but maybe that's part of the joy too, you know, that whatever needs to come through gets to come through. And, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying. And one of the things that stands out to me is that, you know, your father isn't 
incorrect. You know, Tantra is so, I'm, he says maybe not all about sexuality. I would say it's so much more than sexuality. Absolutely. And that sexuality is, um, you know, really to me, it's about energy exchange. It's about relationship. It's about where body meets body and energy meets energy and what the energy of that exchange is. And so that's where sexuality, sensuality, because to me, there is a difference between sexuality and sensuality, sexuality to like, I've been trying to, I've been trying to get clear on how to distinguish. And what I finally landed on is that to me, sexuality is about root energy exchange. Mm -hmm. It's where there is a, a linking in of the root and sacral chakras and the energy exchange moves from that place. Mm -hmm. sensuality can involve that, but it doesn't have to involve that. It's how we engage with our senses, with our bodies, mm -hmm. with the actual act of being in our bodies and experiencing life through the senses. Mm -hmm. And so it's not to say one is wrong or right. I think the joy of Tantra as a path is that it, it balances the polarity. It says spirit and the multidimensional realms is important and body and these earthly 3d realms is important and there's this really sexy point in the middle where those two meet and we get to dance and flow and that's where we create that's right there yeah and you know i think that like um i completely agree with you and my father that it's not all about sex and there's the projection because of the way that like how can you really explain energy, right? Unless you're in it, like even when you're in it, the words, it doesn't matter what I write. If I'm talking about, and this is like, I think a big challenge with spirituality as well, regardless of what realm you're in, is that so often, whether you're in the shaman path or the tantric path or the, you know, the, the um, yogi path, a lot of it is etheric, right? Energy is etheric in a way. So it's like, the most grounded practical things that we can speak about that people will get is the connection to the body and the connection or disconnection to sexuality. Mm. And so I completely agree with you with um, the dance of energy. For me, I mean, sexuality, I actually just did a video and I just started a YouTube channel and I did a video on the difference between sexuality versus sensuality. And I love <laughs> that, we, that we're trying to like, create an, an awareness because for me, and I, and I see this a lot on the dance floor, right? And I, and I see that there's a, oftentimes a lot of leaky energy. People who are not connected to their sexuality unconsciously can leak their energy out because they don't know that they're either wanting to take or kind of pushing or projecting their sexual energy onto people. And I see this often happen in the conscious dance community where people who are newer to exact dance or contact don't fully have a connection to their sexuality in a way that is contained and controlled and aware. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's not like people are intentionally trying to give or take energy, but it ends up happening. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I shared on the video was sexuality, um, more or less, and they can be they're, they're not always, but more or less sexuality is when two energies, masculine and feminine, it could be both within yourself or within someone else are meeting and choosing to engage at a point where the fire is initiated, where like this passion, this excitement, this like we are combining energies and alchemizing into this place. And sensuality for me is more about, for, for me, for my pleasure. It's, I'm not, I can be sexual with myself. Yes, absolutely. But sensuality is more like this kind of I'm in this place in this process. And I love what you said about the five senses because it's like, I'm in this place in this process and it's for my pleasure. And yes, I can be sensual with you as well, but really my sensuality is for my pleasure. I'm in this almost like this cocoon of awareness. And I feel like when two people meet in sensuality, it can turn into sexuality. But two people can also meet in sensuality in their own wholeness and their own softness. It's less more of the water element and, and stay in sensuality and it not actually turn into the fire of alchemy, which is sexuality, which is more of like a giving and a receiving of this dynamic energy play. 
And so mm -hmm. I love that you spoke into it in a slightly different manner. And all of this does is give people an awareness that these different energies exist mm -hmm. and an opportunity for people to feel deeper into, oh, how does that show up to me? What's my relationship? If I just want to be in my own pleasure, can I be in my own pleasure in a space where other people are wanting to engage? And if I choose to engage with someone, can I stay in my wholeness while engaging with someone else without mixing energies? And because there might be attraction, there might be eros, there might be the animal that wants to play. But if you're in a space of really wanting to be with yourself, can you still connect with others while you're in that very sensual, right on the edge of sexual place? And I think that's a really gold place for people to kind of discover within themselves. Oh, absolutely. And what you're speaking to really lands for me, this awareness of the body as the alchemical to container, container, the alchemical container, like the cauldron within which, you know, it, that's the highest concentration of our life force energy within our immediate field, in our body. And so what you're speaking to that leaky energy, I mean, I wish that what would really get dialed in in any community, whether, you know, spiritual, dance, um, corporate, is the awareness that when we learn to inhabit our body temples, when we allow our energy, our spirit, our attention and focus to be contained within our body center, that means that there is actually a more concentrated container for us to burn up and move and transmute and alchemize whatever we're working with into vital life force energy. And when we actually keep that energy harnessed, like contained, but in a really um, fluid sort of a way, that that actually magnetizes people to us. It is, it is the root of our magnetism, our power. It's almost like, I like to think of this um, metaphor of the wood burning stove. Like when we close that door on that stove, how that heat that gets generated within that stove has the power to radiate be out, you know, out beyond the stove. And then people want to go and they want to curl up, um, you know, sheepskin rugs next to that hot stove in the winter time, you know? So it's, it's that same sort of an energy and, um, and also to be able to hold sensual space for one another without needing to put our energy in or mm. take energy away, unless that's like the communicated intention. Um, so it's just to be able to hold that neutral space, that that's really a lot of what's needed on the planet as well. 100% I get chills when I hear that. Um, and again, like it's crazy how much emotion is. Maybe it's like the womb energy that's coming through. I'm not sure, but like, wow, I feel that this is where um, a lot of the greatest teachings can be um, through direct transmission of somebody holding that space. Because mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of pressure from a very young age of this is what kids do, or this is what we do if there's an attraction um, and Eros is moving, um, you use it, you utilize it, you, and it comes from very, very long ago, back in our ancient history, where we had to procreate in order to continue to survive. And that's no longer where we're at in our society. And so I feel like some of the greatest healing, as you mentioned, is, is in that space of, can we be so sensual and really riding that edge of, of seeing that, yes, it could become sexual at any moment, and we don't have to take it there. And we can just hold it in this very nurturing space, mm -hmm. um, which is different than like a mother-child love, you know? Like a mother-child love, it, you don't have, like there can be sensuality, but not on the edge of sexuality, typically. I mean, it can happen, mm -hmm. but not on the edge of that. And so it's a very, there's almost like a barrier and a wall slightly there. But when you can hold space for someone and there is eros there, there is sexual energy. The animal is alive and you can be so close and not have to go there. It can be, as you mentioned, so deeply healing. And I'm sure that this is some of what you do in your session. So I would be curious to kind of, for people who are like, okay, yeah, but I still don't fully get this. This still seems like very up here. Ground it for me. What does this mean? What does it look like? So if somebody were to work with you on an individual session and even group levels, like what does that look like? What does that entail? Hmm. 
Well, so much is going to depend on who the person is and how they find me and why. And what I find is that um, generally the people who find me are those who are on an awakening path where they're realizing that, you know, the way that they've been connecting with themselves, with other people in a sensual or sexual way just isn't working for them anymore. They're not having something fulfilled. Um, you know, they start searching and questing. And when they find me, I think the people who work with me have this certain resonance with the the sacred mother energy that I do carry, um, which is actually a little bit of a combination, I think, of both sacred mother energy, a little bit of witchy crone-ness, and this very, like, nymph-like, sprite-like, let's just, you know, get in the mud and play energy. And so I get to help to activate those archetypes in other people. People see or feel in me a resonance of what they're wanting to awaken within themselves. And so, <laughs> and then there's also the other aspect of it where in order to hold that space, in order to have healthy boundaries, in order to be an entrepreneur and have a website and, you know, also be able to generate and contain that energy, I also have a, a pretty balanced, um, you know, what some who like to speak in gender terms would call a masculine side as well. Um, in session, I hold, I do both. I hold the container right? That sort of like Shiva energy and stake it in, stake in the intention. And then when in that container, I get to flow and tease and invite people to, to feel into their bodies and start to explore what's there. So helping to bring people from that place of enlightenment or awakening, right? Where we kind of wake up and we look around and we're like, oh, fuck, there's a lot more to this reality than what I think. And I don't know what it is, but I can feel that it's something and then they find me and they're like okay she has this something and I just invite them to explore what is that something and and where is that something lurking and hiding and dancing and moving inside of you and how can we shed the layers to help to bring that through in a really sensual and authentic way and when I'm working with people distantly, it's a lot about, you know, the combination of what we're doing here, talking and exploring realms of fantasy that don't get safe space for expression, and then how to take the awarenesses that might come through and then bring that into our bodies. How can we move and breathe and use our imaginations and make sounds and touch ourselves or touch other people to help to ground this awareness into our body and move out of the way. Whatever conditionings or trauma or stories or you know injuries, woundings we're holding in our body that really gets in the way of us being able to be fully present here. And then when we talk about individual, you know, working one-on-one -on -one in the physical realms, um, I, I use a lot of holding positions and I'm using my breath and my sound and my understanding of ritual and how to create container and then cultivate and build sensual, sexual, fiery, watery energy within that container and then put some intention behind it to drive that home through prayer. And what can happen when body meets body with a shared intention for, for anything, anything that we want to put our hearts and our sensual energy and our time and our focus towards. So, you know, it is an element of sacred sex work because I'm not ignoring the body. I'm not ignoring sexuality, but I am creating a safe container for what wants to come out in those arenas to, to relax open and get to be explored. Wow, this might be one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> <laughs> like you're such a good storyteller and um, it has me in, 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 enraptured in, in your wings almost, you know? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, fuck, I wish I was living in the States so I could come just experience you, you know? I want a session. I want to just uh, take me, sister, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I think, you know, it's 
I love this conversation for so many reasons because I feel your earthiness. And a lot of people, when they meet me or they feel me, they're like, you're so grounded. Like I really feel safe because you're so grounded. And I appreciate that. And I see that resonance with you as well. And I'm also tapped into something that's higher. I'm also tapped into the spiritual. I'm also tapped into the etheric as well. And I think that sometimes in the spiritual world, you can meet people in whatever realm, whether they're shamans or witches or, you know, like super Baba G's, you know, that are very like up here and it's airy fairy kind of, mm-hmm. but there's less of this kind of grounded energy of, of how do I, how does that, how do I embody that? And that's embodiment has been something that I myself has spent a long time working on. There's a lot of people who I see are very in their bodies, like they're working out their fitness, they're, but they're not actually embodied. And mm-hmm. I think there's a very big difference between that. Like, are you in your body and just, you can move it really well and it can do great things for you and you look really good at the gym and, or are you embodied in, in the fact of you're really listening to what mm-hmm. wants to be coming through your body, to where tension is being held and how you can move it and what the tension is saying or what mm-hmm. the, what the, what the physical, any elements, you know, if you feel like you're, overweight, if that's the story that's playing out, what does the weight want to tell you? What's really, what is really happening here? Is it a story or a judgment based upon society's stories of what's good and what's bad? Or is there something that's trying to protect you because of some unconscious story that's continuing to play out? It's like, there's so many pieces of our embodiment that again, this isn't something that's taught. We're taught in school to go to PE class, you know, to go to the gym and, and do push-ups and these things, very mechanical, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like the feminine's gift is really the embodiment of the felt sense experience through the physical form, which if we even want to put masculine and feminine on it, the physical is the, the, the masculine would be the structure, the container that allows mm. this expression of felt sensations to move and so often in our society specifically in the west we give a high priority to rigidity meaning you go to the gym you work out you go to your spin class even your yoga class it's very mechanical often and there's even the way that we sh- we're taught to eat there's so much restriction around our food and what's good and bad and right and wrong specifically in our sexuality as well you know you spoke into fantasy like there's so much that we are capable of exploring and yet so much that is repressed and feared and shamed because if i have this then that is bad and i won't be lovable and all of these stories that get to play out and so I think it's really interesting um, as we start to embody more of the feminine and as more of the feminine says, it's time, it's time for me to take up space. It's time for me to no longer push down my feelings or ignore them, but to really allow myself the space to express them in however they want to be, whether that's in my sexuality or in my dance or in just my everyday life. I feel like this is a big part, you know, sexuality. If we look at the energetics of sexuality, it's the sacral chakra. It's the water element. Water is typically more feminine in characteristics as it's about flow and fluidity and creativity, which masculine energetically holds the point, holds the focus, holds the structure so that so much of the creativity can, can, can expand into what's possible because it's grounded in this three-dimensional reality, which again, form, structure, three-dimension can be more like masculine if we talk in terms of energetics. And so, so much of what you shared and your experience is this kind of dance, what I'm perceiving to be this dance between two. It's like you're holding this masculine container, which is just the framework so that people can tap into this oftentimes repressed parts of themselves, the fantasy, the desire, the unknown, the creativity, and be given a safe container to express it where there are, there are boundaries so that the person feels safe and knows that you can hold them and whatever kind of expression is needed in order for them to access the parts of themselves that maybe have been shamed or denied from themselves, society, or their cultures up until this point. 
Exactly. And then there's the next piece of it too, is once that energy is released, then what do we, how do we harness and direct it and focus it towards a clear intention and invite in our spirit guides and our plant allies to, you know, help us drive that intention home in our bodies, into manifestation, into creativity. And so that's the piece that I feel like at this point in time, I want to help to bring to the Neo-Tantra community because I see a lot of unraveling and opening and freeing up, you know, that repression, which I mean, we could have an entire podcast on why those of us of European and Middle Eastern descent classified as white in our culture, in our culture, um, why us white folk are so repressed. I mean, it was was a really powerful multi-generational agenda on behalf of the church state and scientific arenas to keep us from our vital life force energy because those of us who are cut off from it are cut off from our creativity power and we are a lot easier to control especially when we're sick and we're not tapped into our bodies and our body's regenerative power and nature's regenerative power, which is where we see ourselves now. And that's why this is such an important mission for me. I personally feel that as we come into greater connection with our bodies and with the earth bodies, the natural inclination is going to be to just shake off those structures that aren't working anymore and that are trying to keep us repressed. And to realize that what those structures have done is it has instilled, they've instilled fear within our bodies, fear of ostracism, fear of, you know, being cast out from the tribe. Um, As European descendants, you know, we were disconnected from our land long before the church came in. You know, this dates back to like the Roman Empire where Celtic slaves were brought to the opposite side of, you know, the Um, the continent, because when you disconnect someone from their land, you disconnect them from their root, from their power source, from their tribe. And so this repression, this sense of of internal uh, constriction that so many of us feel, what you're speaking to, this distinction between like exercising versus like being in your body. And to me, If I'm thinking about something that happened yesterday, something about tomorrow, or my to-do list, I'm not fully embodied, even if I'm moving my body. Now, now what I can do is I can take the energy of those stories and bring that into my body and move it through. Like I'm telling this story with my body and every you know, movement combined with my breath and maybe a little bit of sound is helping to clear the pathway. And then the downloads come through, then the wisdom comes through, then it's not all coming from my mind. I'm open and available to what wants to come up and out or what wants to come down and through. And that's where, you know, plugging into the larger energetic grid, I think is such a source of embodiment. We're not neglecting to connect with the etheric realms. We are activating our connection as a source for a life force that then we channel into our bodies and move with and play with and dance with and yeah he's to hopefully create the world that that we're all longing for yeah and i think that this is like ultimately when we boil it down what i really hear and feel from you and what i see and feel in my own experience of why the path of Tantra or Neo-Tantra, because it is evolving. And this is something that I'd just like to point to um, for those people who are aware of Tantra or not aware of Tantra. It's just like any spiritual practice, whether it be Ayurveda, which is like basically ancient healing medicine from spirit or um, yoga, um, or even a lot of these types of spiritual practices do evolve because we evolve. And what is needed evolves. And there is so much, there's so much power in connecting to our history and our roots and tapping into even ancient meditations like the Merkaba or different types of spiritual practices. And there is also, there's so much wisdom in that. And there's also a lot of power in understanding that what worked for us so long ago 
is, is essential for us to understand and also having the awareness that where we are now is different. So not distorting the practices, but taking the roots of the practices and saying, here's the foundation and the principles that are so important. And here's where we are now, which we have technology now, which changes everything. It changes the way we connect, the way we communicate, how fast words can come, the way that we are much more not embodied because we're so much more in our minds sitting behind a computer like before a thousand years ago 2000 years ago 5000 years ago when when these ancient historic practices of spirituality were here we spent a lot less time on our computers we were a lot more in the earth with the ground with each other in community in connection so Neo Tantra is kind of this evolution of taking the basic principles of classical tantra whether you're talking about Montak Chia Taoist type tradition or classical Indian Tantra. And Osho is really, Osho in both Montauk Chia, but Osho I feel like really was kind of a, a revolutionary for Neo Tantra being like, okay, sitting in cross-legged position, focusing on something to get out of yourself, that's not gonna help this generation. This generation needs to get in their bodies. And right. if you're sitting in stillness, you're not gonna be able to reach that because the mind is so chitavriti naroda, you know, like so crazy and chaotic. And so I think that what I hear from you and what I feel in myself is a deep resonance and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like this, this deep understanding of how can I be in this body and in this experience and embodied in this experience and celebrating the gift of this physical form so that I can allow myself to transcend beyond all the stories of disconnection, whether it's from my own body or from connecting with others through practices that help me get out of my mind and out of the story and out of the things that aren't really truly real and into this embodied experience where the deepest connection and the deepest intimacy and the, and the deepest availability to source that we really have is. And how does that play out in today's world? And how can we show up in today's world and speak to the people and the pains and the wounds that we all feel as a collective consciousness? And instead of pushing them down and pretending that they're not there, bring them to light and utilize tools and practices that have been shamed or shunned or, or misunderstood so that we can bring the shadows into the light and create deeper, profound, more connections to ourselves, to each other, and to what we really feel is our mission here on planet earth. Woo. Yes. A hundred percent. And there has to be the balance, right? I find that a lot of movement creates space for the stillness, for the quiet, yeah. for the sinking in. If I'm not moving my body, but my internal world and the stories that are looping in my mind, kicking up all of this fight, flight, you know, adrenaline um, energy inside of me, if I'm not doing something to move that energy, then I can't come to a place of stillness where I can just nest in the energy of what I've cooked and allow the answers and the wisdom and the inspiration to come through. And I think so much of it is about actually choosing what the story is that we're telling ourselves that we're living. And that's been the massive theme that I've been working with this Mercury retrograde is just noticing that one of the things that keeps me um, challenged in staying in my body is that when I am in my body, what I notice is that there are a lot of really hurty places and it doesn't feel good. And when I go into those hurty places, what I find are stories and emotions that I put there because on some level they're fueling something. They're fueling my anger. They're fueling my creativity. They're fueling my fire. They're fueling my sadness or my will or desire to rise up and prove something. So what I'm working with now is, okay, how can I notice where are those hurdy stories? And I, I really, I feel my inner child, you know, very alive when I go into these places, those places where the boo-boos are, you know? <laughs> How can I go into those places and just say, okay, I see that there's a story on loop right now. I don't want to keep living this story. So I'm going to take this energy and I'm going to move it. 
and I'm gonna breathe it and I'm gonna use my hands and I'm gonna unravel it and I'm just gonna shake my body and I'm gonna take it out of my energy and then I'm gonna say, okay, now what am I not seeing? You know, and then new perspective gets to come in, wisdom gets to come in. I get to take something that was hurtful, you know, something that was led in my body and my system and transform it into gold. And when we talk about alchemy, that to me essentially is what it is. It's taking this thing that could be muck, you know, or waste or um, something heavy in my system. And I'm implying the elements as they work through things like breath and sound and movement. And, you know, and we, we breathe and we make noise and we move in the way that the elements do. When we start to see our bodies as part of the elemental dance. And if I notice that there's, that there's a, a pebble in the river of my, you know, of my center, can I call forth some water and move that energy through to kind of get that flowing again? And that stuckness, I think that's where we find inflammation. That's where we find sickness. That's where we find, you know, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have, you know, our current way in normal society of dealing with these things is not from an empowered place. It's actually from Mm -hmm. a very disempowered place. It's about going to other people who can try to tell us what's wrong with us and often give us something outside of us to fix us Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, cancer, people who have cancer and people who have very serious diseases chances are if you really become self-aware and you start to notice when was the first time I start to experience dis-ease in my body, whether mm-hmm. it was a mental, emotional programming that continued to play out, which can cause me anxiety or whether it was a car accident or whatever the traumatic experience was. I feel that in terms of really healing, healing ourselves, healing each other, healing the collective, it really does come from as simple as it sounds being embodied and realizing these energies and accepting them and moving them using our own life force. I mean, this is what some of the the greatest healing uh, techniques that have been used for thousands of years, whether you're talking about medical Qigong or acupuncture or acupressure or, you know, breath, sound and movement. This is how we move stuck energy. And it's like very basic, but yet often unknown to the collective consciousness. And there's Mm. something that... on a slightly different track, but also kind of how we began. And I was like, I feel like this is what the world um, is ready to hear, which is some of the challenges that we face in the world of sacred sexuality. Um, They are, they stem from the very basic, such as projections, right? The projections of the work that you do, the work that myself does, the work that anybody does in this field. the along with the misunderstanding of um the power that really lies within our sex i mean if you think about it everything is sex energy for the audience who's listening it's like the the sexual center is our creative life force center it's literally what births babies into this world and anything else that you see anything else you see comes from creation this is sex energy And so there's a misunderstanding of when we talk about sex energy, what it actually means, what it actually represents in its totality. Um, You mentioned sex magic. It's like the alchemization of utilizing the most powerful, highest vibrational force that we have within us, where we are the most connected to someone than we will ever be, the most present that you could ever be, riding the waves and the edges of orgasmic potential. Like that in general is such a high vibrational energetic state. Mm. Um, And then there's the absolute um, challenge. I feel that maybe, and this is totally my own projection, that big brother, if you will, whoever is managing Facebook and all these different platforms actually truly knows the power of this creative life force energy. And that if the masses get in touch and this is probably why the church repressed it for so many years ago because if this awareness and this power gets out there is no longer a suppressor suppressing us from being truly liberated in this physical form and so some of the ways that that comes out is even getting our messages across sharing these practices into the public 
can sometimes be a challenge because let's say specific spaces, whether we're talking about in our, in our environments, if you go to certain spaces and you start sharing your message about these works, people will project on it. And I don't want this. Don't hang up this flyer here. Don't share that. This is not a place for that or whatever. And even on social media, a lot of people in this world have been getting canned from Facebook and banned. And I call it Facebook jail, um, including myself. So I'm curious kind of as you're expanding and I know you're doing some more film production and you're really wanting to reach more people through the art of film and erotic films. I'm curious kind of what hurdles you've been, been receiving or, or, or coming up against and what kind of um, navigation tools you've maybe decided to expand into as some of these hurdles continue and will continue to come up. Uh, because it is so powerful and so unknown to the mass majority of people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as you're speaking, what's really coming up for me is the awareness of how fetishized sexuality has become, how it's, um, it's as we have separated our spirits from our body and equated sex with sin or taboo, how that energy has gotten very pushed into the closet, pushed into the under realms, um, demonized and painted as this picture. And that pornography, right, which is the exhibition of sexual or sensual energy to be witnessed and received by an outside party, um, how that has actually been morphed and used as a mind control tool because um, you know it's the primary education that we in our culture receive now around sexuality. Now, I and I imagine many others might actually be um, kind of the exception of uh, the exceptions to that rule because I was really conditioned through um, romance novels, and in romance novels, the buildup is everything. Like you can keep me keep me glued for 400 pages yes. and then the characters finally have sex and I'm like oh okay move on to the next book <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so my porn was like the build up the connecting the story the fantasy the the anticipation and how just the tiniest touch can just be so charged and so that was my porn growing up and that's what I want to help sort of bring back into the collective awareness of, of how eroticism can be in the air between two people and how sensuality and sexual connection can be this like ongoing um, ritual dance where the more you cook it, the better those spices cook and you know, and then the more delicious it is when you finally get to taste it. So wanting to bring that narrative, that inspiration out into the world, both through writing and through film and through poetry and you know, erotic meditations. And one of the challenges that um, I and my peers who really share this vision are coming up against is that there is legislation that's been created in the past couple of years that really demonizes um, the porn industry and the sex work industry and lumps those things in with things like addiction and sex trafficking, child sex trafficking. And so the laws that are um, geared towards actually they say trying to stamp out these kind of shadow aspects of sexuality, which is non-consensual exploitative engagement of body and sexuality that, you know, the powers that be <laughs> who've crafted, crafted this legislation say that they're doing this to try and protect children, to try and protect women. But actually what they're doing is they're targeting an entire industry, which includes those of us who are doing this in a consensual nature because we have passion 
around erotic artistry and education and a desire to put that out. And the sad part about it is that this legislation isn't actually looking at the root. What is the root of things like the sex trafficking industry, um, pedophilia, addictive pornography that is, that is very um, abusive. And, you know, I think that there's a difference between abusive porn and, um, you know, kink and taboo. And I think that that's a really important distinction that needs to yeah. be focused, that there is yeah. such a thing as conscious kink where two consenting individuals get to identify the power dynamics and narrative that they want to play out in an embodied arena in order to help to heal and move sexual energy and open up the pathways for expression in the body. And so there's, there's a really dangerous dance afoot where um, there is constriction being placed around the ability to broadcast, you know, this, this awareness into the collective. And what's being targeted is the shadow aspect and the non-consensual aspect of it without looking at how consensual, consensual sex workers, consensual <laughs> sex workers, um, how we're doing this from a place of passion and education and that that is something that is worthy and needing to be recognized and honored. And, you know, here in Asheville, I feel very privileged to be a part of a very rooted sacred intimates community where there are so many of us who are actually doing this work and starting to do it behind the scenes. And what's so interesting about the SESTA-FOSTA legislation is that because the kind of back page avenues that we were advertising on before have been shut down, shut down, we're actually being forced into greater visibility and to start to bring this work out of the shadows and find other avenues to be like, hey, we're here, just so y'all know, like once you get bored jacking off to that video real quick and then feel a little bit shameful about having done that but aren't sure why, come talk to us. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Wow, there's so much in that. And I think that that, what you said, that very end, you know, it, when you're shameful about jacking off to that video and don't know why, come talk to us. That's where the healing begins. And that's what's going to hit a lot of people because it is true. The, the porn industry is a very big industry. It's a very distorted industry and it has, it's, I mean, a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think that, you know, potentially the people, the legislation who's trying to support um, it's coming from a good intention, but it's misunderstood because they're actually not in the field and they don't actually understand the collective psyche of repression that's happening and that how to heal. It's just like prohibition back in, you know, the 1900s. It's like, or the early 1900s. It's like, yo, <laughs> you got rid of alcohol and you repressed it and it only made the problem worse. So like, let's really look at better feeling modalities. And one of the things that I hope to do is that as Tantra in whatever way, Neo-Tantra, Classical Tantra, whatever you want to call it, or sacred sexuality or sacred sex work, whatever it is, becomes more and more in the light. Um, I hope that this becomes a healing avenue where we kind of talk about these things such on the podcast and on YouTube videos and on wherever other platforms, Patreon, as you mentioned, um, people who are really ready to transform their relationship to their physical body, their pleasure, their sexuality, their connections, their intimacy, really begin to start to have a lot of people who can support them on their journey, such as yourself and your community and the broader, broader network of, of people who are, who are doing this work in whatever way, shape or form they decide to do it. I'm really grateful to be a part of this community, a part of this awareness. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a really beautiful moment. I mean, we could talk forever and I think we should do another episode. This was really beautiful. And there's so much rich, richness and juiciness that comes through, I feel like, in this conversation. And it's divine timing, of course. We tried to set this up a couple of times and didn't yet. It wasn't ready. The world wasn't ready to receive it. It had you know? to cook a bit. <laughs> yeah, it did. And it was perfect. It was so divinely timed. And I'm curious, so for anybody who's listening, how can they find you? What's the best avenues to get in touch with you and your work? And if they want to work with you, what is the best way to connect? Amazing. Yes. Thank you for that question. So 
templegaia.com is my portal and um, Gaia is spelled G-A-I-A. -A. So Temple Gaia is the sacred portal where people can really access and connect with me. And of course, um, the energy that that holds is of the earth mother. And I, like I said at the beginning, I offer both distance and in-person sessions. I'm also taking the five years of experience that I've had working with people one-on-one -on -one and in the process of crafting a three-month course um, that can be done individually or as a group to help to offer um, extended support on this journey. And I found that, you know, because this is a practice that has many stages. There are initiations, there are activations, there are at times of integration and then needing to check back in and re-up. You know, it's, it's a continual journey and process. My profound joy comes with working with people who want to go on this journey together. You know, we're stepping out of that age of the guru and into the age of sharing medicine and activations with one another. And so that's what the intention of these courses are, is to create these containers for these deeper dives so that we get to um, share wisdom, share knowledge, and kind of like work these tools that I've been living and embodying and practicing um, together to see what wants to come through. So you can contact me through Temple Gaia. Um, I have a contact form there. And what I would say is to, um, if you're listening to this podcast, send me a message through my contact form. Let me know that you heard this talk, that you felt some resonance, and I'd be happy to schedule a free consultation with you to just keep these conversations going. Um, and then you can also link in with me through Facebook. Um, I have both my individual page, Hannah Borababi, and my business page, Temple Gaia. There's also the Blood Mysteries Virtual Voyage, which I curate, and um, a, a phenomenal Facebook group of over um, about 1,200. We have 1,200 members of the Blood Mysteries Global Sisterhood at this point in time, which is really focusing on the earth magic aspect of conscious menstruation. Um, and I also am starting to work more with men and the seed mysteries and learning how just in the same way as women, we can use our menstrual blood as a part of our connection and offering and deepening our relationship with the earth. Men can do the same with their sacred seed, with their semen and learning how to work and program um, the manifestation potential that that energy has. And then the powerful alchemy that happens when we bring those forces together. So those are a couple of things that I've got cooking. I'm also gearing up to put out an eco-mystical music video. That's my first venture into film. Um, and it is for me very much a journey of conscious sexuality and sacred embodiment and just trying to put the energy and the image of what that can be like and feel like and look like out into the collective. So I'm going to be releasing that video um, on the full moon in March. March 9th is when I was given the directive. And this is a video that I've been cooking with for like months. So it's really, it's wow. really ready to just go out. And I also filmed my first erotic feature um, earlier in the year. And so as these other things are cooking and that's in the editing pages and I'm working on building a platform to be putting um, more film out as well. So yeah, definitely stay tuned and you can find me on Instagram as well at Temple Gaia Tantra. Wow. Amazing. So cool. I will definitely be checking out and seeing what you have as it continues to move out into the world. I'm so grateful for you showing up in the way that you are and both your dive deeper into the more I just want to thank you for taking the time to spend it with me sharing more about your heart and your passion and with everybody else who's listening here and thanking the audience for being here as well and listening if you've made it this far we really appreciate your awareness and attention to this very 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 potent time and this very very potent medicine that we all have within us which is our own erotic body and nature so mm -hmm. yes absolutely so now that you all are done with listening to this podcast put down your phone close your computer go outside and hug a tree and um, just let nature know what we've been talking about 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so all good. in service. All in service. So good. Right on. Well, thank you so much for creating this container and for the work that you do as well. I hope that they release you from Facebook jail soon because what you have to offer is just so important. And even if not, then, you know, let's just look at this obstacle as the opportunity to create a platform where we all get to continue and share and, you know, feel safer to do so. That's it, baby. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, goddess. Well, thank you so much, Hannah Bora Bobby. I will see you sometime soon, I hope, on a future episode. Oh, my goodness. I'd love to continue this dialogue. It would be my <laughs> profound pleasure and privilege. <laughs> yes. All right, goddess. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much and have a good day. Blessed be. Bye, babes. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on Driven for Purpose. I cannot tell you how much your support means. If you found this content helpful in any way, shape, or form, I would love it if you share this with your friends and family. If you haven't yet already done so, please go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help us rank higher, which means more people can get inspired by this content, and together we can support one another to continue on our journey towards our highest and best selves. I'll catch you next week.